Welcome back to A Push for Understanding. This is Brinkley 12.1. Um, and this one's all about um, kind of big stick policy and kind of how Roosevelt expands the powers of the presidency to um, encompass all of foreign policy. Um, foreign policy was never really a big thing in the United States, at least in the 1700s. Um, and so most of the presidents and most of Congress didn't really lay out any specifically specific checks and balances for foreign policy um, as they established the Constitution because they really figured the United States wouldn't be a big foreign policy uh, player eventually, you know, 200 years in the future. Um, and so the kind of in turn, in turn for that, um, presidents really use a lot of foreign policy um, to basically expand their own ideas and expand their values because there's no checks and balances. And so they can basically do whatever they want, besides declaring war. Um, the president cannot declare war um, on another country. That has to go through Congress. That's like the one major exception for foreign policy. Other than that, presidents can pretty much do whatever they want. Um, and so kind of through this, Roosevelt is able to exploit a lot of that um, and kind of starts doing a lot of things. And so the big thing, and kind of probably the most important part of the whole chapter, is his open-door notes. Um, he basically sends these um, telegrams to other European powers, like Italy, France, um, the UK, Germany, Spain, who are basically carving up parts of China, taking key Chinese ports, and basically exploiting um, the political and ethnic tension inside China at this point in time. Um, for their own personal gain and monetary gain, and basically seizing trade um, and supplies that the Chinese can't really defend. Um, and basically, Roosevelt feels that the United States is threatened by these actions, um, and that trade with China will be cut down for other countries, not just the United States, but all other countries who aren't exploiting the United or not who aren't exploiting China. And so he sends these what are called open door notes, basically asking that all these powers in China who are getting involved in the conflict leave the door open for everybody else uh, so they can trade and exploit um, the Chinese uh, money and ch ch Chinese experience, um, or kind of Chinese conflict that's going on in the country. Um, and then Roosevelt kind of coins this term, uh, kind of the entire chapter name is Big Stick, um, and basically it comes from a famous Roosevelt quote that says, speak softly but carry a big stick. Basically it means that, you know, um, kind of try and make peace first, um, but always have a big stick behind you so that if people aren't willing to go along with what you say, you can always beat them militarily. Um, although the United States, pretty well known for just going right to the big stick. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, Roosevelt kind of justifies this intervention, uh, the saying that America has kind of a big stick, that America has a lot of power, and can boss around uncivilized society. Um, uncivilized being in air quotes, but that's what Roosevelt says, because it's the early 1900s, and everybody has to be racist. Um, <laughs> um, so basically Roosevelt is saying that the United States has a kind of obligated right to protect all these countries, uh, because the United States has a lot of money in them. And but also, they're they're close to the United States. Uh, this mainly applies to um, kind of the Western Hemisphere um, and basically North and South America. Basically, America wants to protect them from 
foreign influence and wants to protect the independence of all these colonies um, and wants to make sure that their resources and economies can't be exploited by uh, Europe because that's America's job. Um, uh, and so this kind of all culminates into Roosevelt. Uh, you know, I, I tried to say the word and then it, my brain just stopped. <laughs> the Roosevelt Corley, definitely not saying that right. Um, basically, it reaffirms the Monroe Doctrine and basically says that America has the right to intervene um, if Europe ever gets kind of involved in meddles with um, the Western Hemisphere. Um, and it's really just a justification to go to war with countries who are, uh, let's take the, or the UK and Germany, for example, they meddle in the Venezuelan economy um, and blockade the country. The United States basically says, you can't do that. You're exploiting Venezuela. You're trying to exploit the kind of resources and get them to go along with uh, your, air quotes, negotiations. Um, you can't do that. Uh, we're going to militarily intervene if you don't step down. And Germany and the UK eventually step down. Um, and so this really kind of separates off the Western Hemisphere as America's playground. Um, as we'll see, the United States is very protective of the Western Hemisphere. Uh, we pretty much have um, military packs or military uh, protection um, stuff. <laughs> I forgot the word. Um, we have military signatures and non-aggression packs with all these, all, pretty much every country in Latin America, um, basically saying that we will protect them if anybody comes after them. Um, and then Canada, of course, is in NATO, so... We are obligated to protect them if anything happens to Canada or any other NATO country, for that matter. Um, and so the United States basically uses this as their background. They invest a lot of money into Nicaragua and overthrow the government. Uh, they invest a lot of money into Haiti, into Venezuela. Um, and most notably, they invest a lot of money into Panama, which basically curry favor with them and get them to build the Panama Canal. Well, really, the United States takes the Panama Canal. Panama Canal um, basically buys the land off Panama and gives them a lot of money for it. Um, and this basically connects the Pacific and Atlantic coasts, um, and the United States can pass through military military uh, ships and also trade. Basically connects the west and east coast of the United States and connects, and really connects the west and east coast of a um, country that's split between the two seas, or two oceans, sorry. And then eventually all of this kind of culminates into what is called dollar diplomacy, which the United States basically is really only interested in protecting countries that they have investments in. Uh, the most notable example that Brinkley brings up in this chapter is Nicaragua. Uh, we invest a lot of money into um, overthrowing the government, and then when later that government that we backed is, go is going through a similar coup, we back that government because we have so much investment and so much power over that government um, that they're basically puppets of the United States. And so basically the way to think about dollar diplomacy is that the United States is diplomatically act diplomatically acting not in like the best interest of human rights or um, these countries or the people of these countries. Um, they're acting in the best interest of American investments and American power, specifically the power of um, Washington. A lot of Washington insiders are uh, have a lot of money invested in these countries, 
and have a vested interest in these countries succeeding, even if that means hurting civilians and hurting uh, popular movements inside these countries, basically suppressing democracy. Um, and so, yeah, that's dollar diplomacy. And I think that's all I wanted to say for this Brinkley. Uh, it's a relatively short Brinkley chapter, um, or at least Brinkley section. That's only 21.1. Uh, um, but I think that's all I wanted to say. And I hope you learned something new, and I hope you'll come back for the next episode. Bye.